Welcome to the Firelighter Podcast. This is episode five. Today, we'll talk about resolutions for 2021 based on lessons we learned in 2020. Are you a millennial, Gen Xer, or a young boomer? Do you want to learn more about financial independence? Are you contemplating or already in early retirement? The Firelighter Podcast highlights, or as we like to say, Firelights, issues around your financial independence. Join the community as we explore millennial boomer relationships and pass the best lessons down to next-gen Fi millennials. We will talk about FIRE from FU money to early retirement. Welcome to Episode 5 of the Firelighter Podcast. We hope you're getting your 2021 off to a great start. Today, I'd like to reflect a little bit on a list of resolutions for 2021 that I recently read in the uh, AARP Bulletin, the December 2020 edition. This article was written by Linda Stern. Linda Stern was a former Wall Street editor for Reuters, has been covering personal finance since the 80s. And using um, her article loosely, some key points here from five items that she thinks are great resolutions for 2021 based on our actual experiences in 2020. We'll get into some details of that, and I'll offer my own Phylighter perspective on those five key points. Many of you may have already made your uh, New Year's resolutions if you find that custom uh, something you like to do every year. A lot of those resolutions generally revolve around fitness or health-related, and some of them are, I'm sure, financial-related. And your pursuit of financial independence, I bet each of you have some financial goals as well for 2021. One thing we all learned in 2020, many individuals and businesses with pretty sound financial plans in place were just not equipped to what the COVID storm brought to everyone. The best laid plans just don't think about every possible scenario. And we got a scenario in 2020 that really tested a lot of financial strength in organizations and individuals. If you remember back in 2008, the financial crisis, there were a lot of lessons learned. One of the key outcomes for that financial crisis was that institutions uh, were stress tested and had to weather a potential scenario that involved uh, very adverse market conditions. I think it's helpful that we actually look back to that time frame just after that financial crisis and what uh, the government did in terms of the where Federal Reserve Governor Daniel Tarullo gave a speech and he talked about the Supervisory Capital Assessment Program that was put together in 2009. In this speech, the Treasury determined that the confidence could best be restored by making additional capital available to banks that were unable to raise it from primary sources. To do this, they modeled two different scenarios. One scenario was based on the outlook of employment, pricing on homes, the the GDP, at base projections given the current economic situations. Then they did a second scenario. And that was a more adverse scenario designed to be severe, but plausible or possible with a probability of 10 to 15% that each of the economic variables could even be worse than specified. The banks were asked to provide projections and losses uh, in both scenarios. I'll post a link to that Federal Reserve speech in the show notes if you'd like to read more and understand that situation. The point is, 
We can't always predict the scenarios that are going to actually occur, but we do know that we need to prepare for the potential scenarios that are possible. And in my lifetime, I've seen several of these occur. Uh, Those younger listeners may not have experienced as many, but I can tell you, you definitely experienced COVID-19. That one's fresh in your mind. And you learn from that. You learn lessons and you learn how prepared you were for it. You may have come through it actually in better financial condition than you would have had COVID-19 not occurred. This environment was very volatile, I guess, in the possibilities of the outcomes. Many people lost jobs, lost income, struggled financially. Maybe they even failed, their, their businesses failed. And then others went the extreme opposite direction. They did extremely well in those conditions. Maybe they had the right business model that allowed them to operate effectively in a no-touch environment. Maybe they had the model that allowed them to scale technology and move more of their business online. Those type of organizations did extremely well during the COVID-19 period, which still continues today. One of the things I like to do is close the books. You know, my, my family jokes around about it because they say, you know, Dad, you're, you're not closing the books. You know, you're not working at a company anymore. No, I'm not. But, you know, I'm working for the Filider Family, Inc., you know, and, and we like to know where we stand. Well, you know, this was the first full year um, of our early retirement, and I was really keen on getting a, a clear grasp of what our spending looked like. We generally had a budget. We had um, areas like entertainment and travel and, and all those things that were included in that budget. But as you know, our plans changed. We had actually bought airplane tickets for a few trips we planned to make, bought a ticket for our son to fly home, uh, to spend Easter with us. Those things just didn't happen. And they didn't happen for many of you as well. We actually did spend some of those dollars and ended up with uh, credits at airlines that we still need to use in the future. My point is, many of those dollars were not spent. I did a calculation just this morning uh, using the annual numbers from uh, all the transactions for 2020 by category, and we actually spent 22% less than our budget for the year. That's a substantial amount. Now, keep in mind, that's a net total. There were some categories that were much higher than budget. We spent a lot more on groceries than we typically would have, but we also spent a lot less eating out. You know, so the dynamics within your budgets probably changed based on the situation. So what are we going to do with that 22% we did not spend? Well, I can tell you, Mrs. Filider and I celebrated our 30th anniversary during the COVID year. I promised her that we would take a trip, and that trip did not happen. I've got to set aside funds because I owe Miss Filider that reward. I owe it to all of us, uh, <laughs> myself included. It was a milestone that we did not get to observe and, and remember in the way that we normally would have. My hope is that trip can happen in 2021, and we'll celebrate 31. At some point, we will get that trip on the books. My point is this, you know, you have to adapt to these situations and change. That adaptation may cause you to spend more money or it may cause you to spend less money. In the end, having some flexibility in your budget allows you to get through those periods. And we'll talk more about that when we get into the first item of today's discussion. With that, let's get rolling with segment one. 
key prompt for today's episode relates to an article that was in the AARP Bulletin in December of 2020. Resolutions for 2021, lessons from the past year that we can apply to the next. This article was written by Linda Stern. I'd love to have Ms. Stern on our show. But let me just go into a few of these things. I use this as prompts, and I've got the highlighter spin on each of these five items. But I do want to talk a little bit more about them. What were these five items? Well, let's just quickly summarize the key points. Build an emergency fund. Get your affairs in order. Make some permanent cuts. Invest for the roller coaster. Practice gratitude. So let's break all those points down. We're going to start with the very first one. Number one, build an emergency fund. In this article, Ms. Stern mentions that having as little as $2,500 in an available emergency fund can help you negotiate a crisis versus falling off a cliff. She recommends putting that money in savings account and having some of it in cold, hard cash at the house. There's no shortage of studies that talk about how many Americans are not prepared for a financial surprise. And by a financial surprise, I'm not talking tens of of thousands of dollars here. I'm talking about smaller surprises, you know, like a $1,000 surprise. What if your refrigerator went out this week? What if you need a new washer, a new dryer? Let's say a refrigerator is maybe $1,000 or a washer is $500. I'm not talking about the stackable deluxe steam-induced models. I'm talking about a basic washer or dryer. What if you needed a set of tires for a car or you had another maintenance item for a car? You know, recently my son drove down from St. Louis for Christmas and uh, he spent about $600 just getting his car to the point that he could get the emissions inspection completed. $600 is not something that you plan to spend when you're going in for an annual inspection. He had to have that money set aside. These are regular surprises. Now imagine COVID-19 emergencies. Did you lose income? A lot of people did. How about reemployment? Imagine yourself looking for a job in this environment when so many people have been furloughed or let go, and they're all out there fighting for the same jobs. What if you were in the energy business? We've talked about it before, and the demand for oil and gas has dropped so dramatically that significant reductions have been made in those businesses. A lot of those companies discontinued 401k matches. They don't pay bonuses this year. Uh, They had job cuts. You know, those are big surprises. Are you prepared to weather those type of issues? What if you work in the entertainment or hospitality and food services businesses, or you have a venue for weddings? What happened to those businesses this year? Well, they were faced with something they could not see coming. Uh, A global pandemic, is it possible? Yeah. Well, how likely is it to happen? Well, there was a 100% chance in 2020. Every year, you don't expect a global pandemic. But one thing you do need to be prepared for is the possibilities of a financial stress event occurring in your life, whether it's an unexpected medical bill or it's something like someone crashed a car and we've got to buy one that wasn't planned this year. There's a lot of things that can just occur with no warning. Do I want those things to occur in your life? No. Can I stop them from occurring in your life? No. But can I say, be prepared? Yeah, be prepared. Those things are possibilities. If you didn't have an emergency fund in place, or maybe you 
didn't have quite as large of a, an emergency fund as you as you needed. Let's try to address those things in 2021. Can this happen again? Yeah, it can happen again. But if not, something else can happen. 12 years ago, the financial crisis was a big surprise. This year, we had COVID. Just know that these things are not impossible. Are they likely every year? Let's hope not. But they are possible. Be prepared financially in your plans and have your funds set aside for these surprises. Otherwise, you'll find yourself selling uh, stock that may be greatly depreciated or you know, extending credit, running up your credit cards, paying 15, 20% interest on those things. You just don't want to get in that situation if you can avoid it. And if you have the financial means to avoid it, by all means, take action and be sure you have funds set aside. All right, let's move on to the next item. Item number two, get your affairs in order. Can you think about any other year where you felt the need to have a will in place? When you watch the evening news and you see how many people died every day and that number runs up into the hundreds of thousands of people, I bet each one of you knows someone that has suffered under the COVID virus situation and and maybe has become ill or hopefully uh, none of you have been personally connected to someone that's passed away as a result of COVID-19. I can tell you that you don't have to look far to find someone near you that has experienced uh, this medical stress event uh, from COVID-19. What about a situation where one spouse is in the hospital and unable to communicate, and the other spouse is tasked with paying bills and managing the money and household finances that are normally done by the person in the hospital. When you're under that kind of stress, the last thing you want to do is try to figure out where the money is and how to pay the bills. Have you organized your life for that kind of situation? Have you prepared a will or medical directives, a power of attorney? Did you organize your records? Do you have your usernames, passwords, Unlock codes for your phone, email addresses, and instructions for survivors or executors. Last year, we updated our documents and got the same for all of our adult children. Will they need to update these in the future? Sure, but at least they have a document in place now if something should happen. I've heard the term many times, analysis paralysis. You know, what's preventing you from getting those documents in place? Are you trying to figure out if you can find the right free documents online or pay a small charge and download something from the internet? This is not the situation where you want to take a shortcut and try to save a few pennies. Uh, Don't be penny wise and pound foolish. This is one of those areas where you probably would feel good about spending the money to get advice from a professional attorney in this line of work. I'm not talking about just Joe General Attorney that does all kinds of things. I'm saying a a will and estate and tax expert attorney. We sat down with an attorney and and prepared documents, and I can tell you it was very educational. They have a perspective and a knowledge base that can help you think about scenarios and what makes the most sense for your given situation and your intent for what you want to see happen with your assets and legacy. My grandparents actually marked some things that were things I knew that the grandkids liked. And there was one particular item. It was this clock 
cast out of aluminum or something with a little, you know, kind of make-believe fireplace in it that used to be at my great-uncle's house. And they put my name on the bottom of that on a piece of masking tape. And that item found its way to me after my great-uncle passed away. My grandfather brought it to me. It was one of those little things that I have as a childhood memory. It was something that was unique and special to me and to the people I spent time with. There are a lot of things that are a lot more complicated than knickknacks and little things that don't matter to anyone but someone with a personal emotional attachment. What about cars? What about houses? What about boats? You know, one thing I'm finding, the older you get, the simpler you want to live. And you need to start ridding yourself of the things that you don't use, you don't enjoy, you don't get excitement out of, and you spend money to maintain them. You know, we talked about that before. You know, simple living is something that you just really enjoy when you can do it. And then those things that you used to enjoy and spend time with, you know, they become burdens and they start to weigh on your shoulders. And even if they're out of sight, they're in your mind, okay? Out of sight, in the mind. You know, I I know it's not what people say, but it is true. And those things just kind of continue to burden and weight you down. And then when you can, you can get rid of them and you're liberated. You're liberated from that stress and that thought, and you can move forward. If, if it's a smaller item, it's one thing. If it's a larger item, it's sometimes harder to sell, give away, or, or whatever you intend to do with it. But what if, let's say it's a house. What if you have a house that you need to let go of because, you know, it's a cabin and a ranch or, you know, a beach house or something you used to use a lot when your kids were young and now you're not and you don't have a bunch of grandkids going to it or they live in a different part of the country and it's just not convenient. Go ahead and think about doing something about those assets. You know, one day your legacy will be left behind and if it's a bunch of things that have to be sold or stress happens and Values are decreased and, you know, it's something you could have done something about, but you just didn't make it happen. Your descendants will be very appreciative if you can take care of those things for them. Uh, Think about it as a gift. Uh, You're going to prevent them from going through that same stress. You're going to take it off the table. You're going to make the hard decisions and move forward so they can remember the good things about their parent. Just one more point about getting professionals. You know, it's, it's, really, it's really important that you get good advice, someone that has the knowledge and experience to be sure you fully understand the impacts, not only financially, but also legally on your estate and what can happen there. Okay, that's enough on number two. Get your affairs in order. That's the key point. And believe me, there's somewhere you can start that'll make progress on that one. Whether it be a username and password list or a list of your accounts, instructions for your executor on the things that are not necessarily legal items, maybe things that you want to see take place that aren't important or details that you need to put into a will. If you can give some guidance, some people like to write their own funeral service, whatever, whatever those points are, make sure you get them written down on paper and the right people know where to find them. Let's move on. That's it for number two, getting your fares in order. Okay, number three, make some cuts permanent. This is something that I really believe is going to change the future of how we spend um, 
here and not only in this country, but all over the world in terms of uh, what we really need versus what we buy. I think a lot of people have changed their habits. I know that some things will return, but I also know that some people really live this way long enough to realize I'm not going to spend those dollars on those things again. I just don't need them. And my life is just as happy without them. That's a great measure of which items to cut and which items to keep and put back into your spending plans. Dynamics change. I mean, we will probably continue to cook more at home and eat out less. You know, we were basically about 50-50 in terms of spending on eating out and spending on groceries. Now we're a little bit more on the grocery side of that equation, which isn't all bad. Because I can also tell you that the meals we prepare when we cook at home, sometimes we're eating those meals at least two or three times. They generally stretch the dollars much thinner uh, into the future. What are some of the other categories that uh, you saved on this year that you'll spend when normalcy returns? Well, I I mentioned earlier, travel is something we'll spend on again. Uh, I'm absolutely certain that we will do the things that we normally used to do because we do enjoy them. We like to go to road football games and see our team on the road in a new stadium with different people and places to go. Getting back to the items that we live without and don't miss. Football tickets is one that we spend a lot of money on. Typically, we've, we've bought season tickets for 21 years, and this was the first year that we did not. Well, we actually bought them, and then we got a refund when all the rules changed and they could not legally bring that many people into the stadium. Refunds were offered. And so that's several thousand dollars that we saved, and I'm not sure that we're going to buy them again next year. We live local uh, where the university is and have the opportunity in many cases to find tickets. We always are able to find tickets when friends of ours suddenly decide they want to come up for the game or maybe we plan for them to come up for the game and we just locate tickets ahead of time. Sometimes they just appear the day of the game or two days before the game, last minute plans change and people cancel and tickets become available. Well, when you live in town, You can take advantage of those. You know, sometimes the games are against teams that honestly aren't that challenging to to beat. Um, And and those games probably aren't as enjoyable. Yeah, the experience of going to the stadium and tailgating and seeing people that you like to to visit with from time to time that you don't get a chance to see. Yeah, those those things all still matter every time. But but sometimes it's really not the same experience. The energy level is not the same. One thing we like to do And we'll probably do it again once uh, we return to some normalcy in terms of social distancing and and being careful is we like to entertain. And and I don't mean crazy entertainment. I mean just a little entertainment get together to watch the ball game and barbecue a little bit and hang out with our friends. You know, that's something we really enjoy doing. It's a lot easier than uh, loading up, going and tailgating and going to the game and coming home exhausted. There's a time that you like to do that. And that's a little more enjoyable and relaxing. Will the university athletic department uh, suffer if we don't buy those tickets? No, I'm going to assume that somebody else is going to buy those tickets. And and our four tickets are not going to make a big difference or move the needle one way or the other. Having game day in-home tailgates, that sounds pretty exciting. Uh, I'm looking forward to doing a little more of that. And then maybe hit more of the road games. You know, those some of those road games are really big games. And some of the savings we had in our travel budget will help us cover those costs as we go to more road games, hopefully in 2021. That's it. Make some cuts permanent. 
I'm sure there's some things in your world that you might have an opportunity to save on going forward in the future and maybe even reduce those lines in your budget and come up with more funds for investing or reallocate them to some activities that bring you joy. Okay, that's it for number three. Okay, number four, invest for the roller coaster. Well, one thing we've definitely seen is a roller coaster in the markets this year. You know, I've posted extensively on this topic in the blog and also talked about it on the podcast, but it's hard to resist pointing this one out one more time with so many authors in the investing books. Pretty much every book I've mentioned uh, on the podcast or in the blog, and I've provided links in those previous show notes. Anyway, they, they remind us over and over that on the long term, the market's going to go up. As painful as it was in Q1, that moment when we got our first quarter statements and opened them all up and I put them on the balance sheet and did a calculation, we were down 19% from where we finished 2019 in only three months. One out of every $5 disappeared from that total. I'm not going to hold back here. It scared the crap out of me. I began to worry a little bit, but I knew, I knew that in the long term, the market recovers. And it's so hard when you're feeling the pain of that loss at that moment to realize the right thing to do is nothing. Nothing. If you choose not to decide you still have made a choice is the right thing to do. As I mentioned in the last episode, (laughs) Getty Lee's comments from the song Free Will. In June, we were only down 9%. At the end of the third quarter, We were only down 6%. And then we finished the year out. We were actually up 2% from where we finished the prior year. Now, keep in mind, that's up 2% after covering our living costs for the years. All in all, we recovered and then some. Now, are you going to have an up year every year? Absolutely not. You are going to have up years over the long term more than you're going to have down years. And sometimes the volatility is a little steep, both directions. One thing you can remember from 2020 is that when the market does crazy things, it usually recovers. That fall in March and that date, March 23rd, that I'll never forget, you know, was an incredible thing to witness. And every time I see it, I think to myself, I'm going to back up the truck and load up on index stock funds as soon as I feel like the bottom's happened. Well, we all know that timing the market is never as good as time in the market. That allocation and that acceptance of risk is also something that we talked about from time to time. Remember, if you're not in, you can't win. Thankfully, we did stay the course and we recovered like many of you. It was a lot easier this time. With the memory of 2008, the dot-com in 2001, and even the October of 1987 in my memory banks, I knew that over the long term we'd be okay. But many of you haven't lived through those experiences. It's hard. It's just emotionally tough. As much as I know the market will recover, I remain more conservative. That holds down the upside potential. It limits the ability to respond when the market recovers and grows. One of the things uh, I've mentioned before, it's called prospect theory, uh, based on 1979 research by Tversky and Kahneman. In this research, they talk about the emotional feeling of losses versus gains and our acceptance of risk and risk-averse 
behavior or risk-loving behavior. You know, but the key point here is when you lose a dollar, it's twice as painful as the pleasure you get when you have a dollar gain. Also, investors like to take more risks to avoid losses than to realize gains. There's some great scenarios in this article. I'll have a link in the show notes for you to this resource, but read a little bit about prospect theory. I can tell you I'm a textbook scenario for prospect theory. It's so hard for me to put money at risk knowing that over the long term, it's going to go up. That feeling that I had back in March, you know, how did you feel back in March and how do you feel today? Of course, today I feel good about the money that was in the market stayed in the market, and I even added a little bit to it over time. The negative feelings that I had in March were more fear-driven. I exercised some control, and I didn't allow those feelings to cause my behavior to change and bail out at the bottom and do the absolute worst thing I could have done. But that doesn't mean it did not affect me emotionally. Like many of you, I watched the news and I watched the bad news in the market on many occasions. But then I began to realize, stay the course, stay the course. And it kept on recovering and continued to recover through a strong finish at the end of the year. I hope it continues and I hope that we're not over recovered and uh, another big correction is coming. But you know what? It doesn't really matter. In J.L. Collins' book, A Simple Path to Wealth, he talks about the opportunities to buy when things go bad. Uh, and stocks are on sale. Think about it that way. Think about it as a bargain anytime the markets drop. Okay, that's enough on number four, investing for the roller coaster. Let's move on. Number five is to practice gratitude. Miss Stern got me with this one. She quotes the Joni Mitchell lyrics. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? Linda Stern, you're my kind of writer, quoting song lyrics. And Joni Mitchell's lyrics here, I think they remind us of the situation that we just experienced or continue to experience is, you know, don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? You know, have you ever had things that you missed or people that you missed and you realize that there are opportunities to spend more time with those people? You know, this is one of those things where I have personally come to appreciate moments uh, a lot more in our current environment. We had the joy over the holidays of, of having all of our kids together with us for the first time since late 2019. And I can honestly say it was different in a good way. I hugged our son that came in from out of state just a little bit longer and harder in the pre-dawn hours when he left to return back to St. Louis. You know, there was a tear of joy in my eye as, as I watched his taillights, you know, go down the street and make the turn and then show up between the houses, going by the mailbox, across the field, and then finally his taillights disappeared as he went around a curve on the way out. I walked back up to the house and I poured a second cup of coffee and, and I thought about how much I was just grateful for the family. And, and all of us getting together. I, I'm sometimes known as a family pictorial historian, and I'll admit I take more pictures of the family than anyone else, so that's a fair assessment. You know, we took a few pictures over the holidays, and uh, time just got away from us, and we wanted to get a family shot with these matching shirts on, and, and on the last day that he was here, 
you know, we were running out of daylight and um, my brother and sister-in-law happened to be in town and can snap the picture. So I came upstairs and announced, everybody put your shirts on. We're going to go out and take a picture before it gets dark outside. You know, my daughter put her hair up and, you know, we we just, it was one of those things. It's kind of like I woke up like this, only it was like I walked outside in the afternoon like this. But anyway, we got a picture and that last minute, Carpet diem, seize the day kind of attitude was what prevailed. You know, it didn't matter if your hair was washed or not or if you had a hat on or not. You know, we all put our shirts on and and we sat out in the swing and, and took that picture. That's one of those memories. A lot of times... You look at a picture and you'll remember the moment and that brings you joy. My, my point is simply this. The time and the other experiences that we have, they bring a lot more to you than you realize in the moment. And when you, when you reflect back on them, you know they're special times. It's these moments that I've come to treasure a little bit more and I know we all need. You don't need perfection. You just need presence. And it didn't matter if my daughter had washed her hair or not. The reality is we're all five there and together. And uh, those are the kind of things that that are really important. Getting back to the article, you know, I couldn't agree more. Um, We're pretty lucky we got food, we got our health, and we got a home. You know, a lot of people don't have those things this year. And they had them last year. And they expected to have them this year. But facts and circumstances changed. It wasn't in the plans. Those things are possible. Reflect on the little things that bring you joy and and the things that you've been blessed with. Wow. Okay, that's it for number five on the five resolutions for 2021 based on things we learned from 2020, the year we will never forget. 2020 gave us perfect vision for the way things could be, but we hope never are again. All right, that's it for this segment. Let's move on. Okay, welcome to segment two. Segment two promises to be the shortest segment ever on the Phylotter podcast. I want to give you three things to think about. These are kind of deep thoughts, so I'm not going to talk a lot about them, but I'm going to give them to you. There are three types of things. Things you know that you know. Things that you know that you don't know. And then this is the biggest one. The things you don't know, you don't know. That population's a lot bigger than you think. And that's one of the reasons why uh, you need to plan for surprises in life. And also appreciate the time that's in front of you. There are a lot of things you know you know. There's a lot of things that you know you don't know. And then those things that you don't even know you don't know. Those things can be big too. Well, that's it for segment two. It was short. I promised you it would be extremely short. I want to wish you the best for 2021. Thank you. Our podcast is in the top 65 financial independence podcast now. The listener community is growing. I want to thank each of you that have shared the the podcast, the Phylotter podcast with your friends and your family. I appreciate you spreading the news. And I hope that we can continue to bring value to the community. Today's podcast was certainly a lot more conceptual and lifestyle driven. The, the numbers are still in there and they matter too. 
But I think sometimes it's better for us to step back and realize our actions impact a lot more. Uh, and I, I want you to get the right mindset for these type of things. Anyway, Happy New Year. 2021 is on the way, and I hope that you're getting it off to a great start. Thank you for joining the Ladder Podcast, Episode 5. Today on the Lighter Podcast, in Segment 1, we talked about five resolutions for 2021. Build an emergency fund. Get your affairs in order. Make some of your expense cuts permanent. Invest for the roller coaster because volatility will happen. And practice gratitude moving forward. And then in segment two, we reflected a little bit on things you know, you know, things you know you don't know, and things you don't know you don't know. Thanks for joining us here today on the Filotter Podcast, episode five, the first episode of 2021. Many of you have asked, what can you do to help spread the Filotter message? Here are three ways you can help. Number one, Share a link to the podcast with someone you think would benefit from this content. You probably know like-minded people that would enjoy the Filighter life as much as you do. Number two, if you use Apple's podcast player, write a review. These are particularly helpful to the others exploring our podcasts and help the search algorithms place value on the Filighter community. Number three, hit subscribe on whatever podcast player you're using. We want you to be the first to get the latest episodes when they're released. That's it. I would really appreciate it if you could do any or all three of these things. My goal is to highlight or highlight relevant information on each of your paths to financial independence. A wealth of information will benefit you, whether you're a millennial or young boomer. It may be only that you need to change your course heading just a few degrees to make early retirement a reality. We will continue to explore the issues and topics in front of young boomers as well as valuable lessons for the millennials to accelerate everyone's path to FI. Remember, mind the gap. Income plus. Expenses minus. The result is the gap. Grow the gap. Remember to subscribe wherever you enjoy the Ladder podcast to receive new content as it's released. I look forward to your comments, feedback, and engagement with other Phylighters. You can also subscribe to the Phylighter Facebook page. Links are available in the show notes. I'm Lambo. Let's clear your path to financial independence. Make it happen. Grow the gap. This is Lambo, the Phylighter. If you're hungry for more, visit Phylighter.com. Buckle up, downshift, and dump the clutch. You are in for an accelerated ride into your financial future with Lambo, the Phi Lighter. Recorded on January 5th, 2021.